Live at 5 Sports of Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, well, Jim, uh, add on a couple more years, or well, at least four more years, to the drought for the U.S. team to win on foreign soil in the Ryder Cup. And once again, such a big deficit going into Sunday. There wasn't really a reasonable expectation to set the record for coming from behind. After all, they didn't play well enough on Friday and Saturday to really give us that kind of hope. Yep, the Europeans dominated in the team portion, and then we see reports coming out that uh, Shoffley uh, wasn't committed to the team because he was protesting not getting paid. Cantley didn't wear a hat. He said it was because the hat didn't fit, which is a, an obvious lie. So obviously he's having some kind of dispute too. Um, and, you know, it, it's easy to second-guess his captain's picks. They didn't perform well. That's It's a tough one. It's You know, I mean, the... He went with people he was comfortable with, and they let him down. Uh, I think what can be second-guessed very clearly is amid all this, uh, you know, this early reporting on how the Team USA was worried more about money than team shit, teamwork and all that other stuff, you also had uh, Team USA players. Most of those players did not play for five weeks prior to the Ryder Cup. Yeah. The Europeans all played in tournaments and were very sharp, and they got after the big lead. Uh, the Americans just kind of took time off, and I just think if you're you know, if you're going to play in the Ryder Cup, you got to try to win it. If you're going to try to win it, it means you got to be sharp. You got to be playing, doing something other than just practicing at home. Yeah, uh, that that did seem odd. A lot of the things that went on seemed kind of odd. One thing that I didn't hear uh, on the commentary enough was why the U.S. never changed their strategy in terms of trying to hit every short par four with a driver. Why, when their wedge game was so good and the Europeans set up the course so there wouldn't be any wedge game in the tournament hardly, why not hit a seven iron into position after your opponent just hit the ball in the water, Max Homa? Why, why did he hit driver and hit his own in the water uh, in that situation? Now, Homa was terrific. He was the MVP of the weekend. Sure. But it's that type of strategy change that I never saw. Would you have done anything like that? You know, I guess it's hard. I think it's hard I, I guess my thing is I wouldn't, I wouldn't want any player to feel forced to do something they weren't comfortable with. In mm-hmm. other words, I wouldn't want you know you right now. Negative thoughts are in golf. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think okay, don't hit it to the right, you can hit it to the right. You know, if, uh, don't hit it too far, you can hit I mean, that shot. So I think it's hard to to individually manage every player. They got to do what they believe. In. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You know, Zach said that during the weekend that, hey, I'm just giving everybody information that they can use. They have to make the decision. I'm not going to tell them what club to play. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it was a a stated philosophy or whether it was just the Americans feeling a little desperate, like, oh, we need need a point desperately here. I'm going to try to hit it on the green. They did it all weekend, though. I can see if, and it didn't work. I mean, it was so difficult around those greens uh, you know, the one day they laid up on the one par four, every guy hit three wood, they hit, uh, wedges in and I forget which hole it was on Saturday, but, and then they wound up winning, uh, that hole in that, in that situation. I don't know. Uh, the Europeans very cleverly, uh, set up this course. They knew from their analytics that the U S was the better wedge team. So there weren't for, it wasn't very many wedges played all weekend. Yep. No doubt. And they also, uh, thought that they were the straighter driving team, so they set it up so the rough was really deep, so if the U.S. US did hit it offline, they'd have some real difficulty, and they did. Yeah. I, I At the same time, I'm not ready to cast out uh, Jordan Spieth and, and Justin Thomas. Uh, they struggled, but a lot of players did. Uh, they, uh, I, I might have tried, you know, if Justin Thomas is the heart and soul of Team USA, which is why they, they brought him, uh, 
but why couldn't he play with others then? I didn't see, because in my mind, if I'm playing with a guy who I've been struggling with for the last two days, do you want to see him again? No, no, yeah. you really would like to, to change things up, try some different strategies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I go back to me. The U.S. has had tournaments. It's had Ryder Cups where it was very obvious that they were worried about things other than just winning. You know, mm-hmm. Patrick Reed uh, did a lot of whining after the Paris one. They ripped Tom Watson after they didn't win that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the United States has to make a supreme effort to be unified like they did at Hazleton. Mm-hmm. They really put a lot into winning at Hazleton. And if they, they're just left to their own devices, they're going to be kind of just uh, selfish jerks. <laughs> and that was on display kind of this last weekend. Uh, so the Vikings, winners yesterday, obviously a, a much-needed win. That goes without saying, even though I just said it. Uh, and Harrison Smith and the defense won the game. No doubt. Harrison Smith, his biggest game in a long time. Uh, very rare that a defensive player will have three sacks, a tackle for loss, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble in one game. It almost never happens in mm-hmm. league history. Harrison Smith did it. And the interesting thing was, with Davenport active, uh, Flores blitzed less, but more effectively. And Davenport was able to get home, and Harrison Smith was able to get home at a high rate. So, I mean, that that's kind of ideal. You know, I mean, yes, Flores has thrown everything he's got at these offenses in the first three weeks, but if you can get away with rushing fewer people and getting more pressure, that, that's a win. I, you know, Harrison Smith handled it like a gentleman with a lot of class. They wanted him to compare and contrast the defense this year versus last, and he would just say, hey, Ed Donatel taught me a lot of things. I'm not here to, to take him apart. But it does seem as though he's a more effective player closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and I asked I, – I was the person who asked Harrison. That was mm-hmm. a one-on-one conversation after the group had left. I, talk, I asked him, said, hey, you know, you, you didn't have very good numbers in terms of sacks and tackle for losses last year. You mm-hmm. had interceptions because you played back. You know, how do you compare the two? And, he, he you know, I felt like he could have he, – he knows how to handle the media. He yep. could have given kind of a non-answer if he'd wanted to. I think he really wanted to say something nice about Ed because I think they liked Ed as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think Harrison Smith is more effective when you use him all over the place. Yeah. This was a signature game so far for Brian Flores and his defense. They had kind of been taken apart the previous two weeks, honestly, so it's good to see things change. But, again, uh, with a a little grain of salt because it was Carolina with a rookie QB who's clearly struggling to threaten the defense down the field at all. Exactly. Carolina's not going to hurt you deep. There's not, and they don't have a great running game. It's a tough situation. And and Bryce Young, he's not – very big. He's not very strong. He doesn't throw the ball very far. He doesn't throw the ball very hard. He kind of needs to be, you know, that's that's what scared me about Bryce Young as a number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want to use a number one overall pick on somebody who might profile as a game manager? I mean, Anthony Richardson was more high risk, but what an athlete. Oh what an gosh. arm. And, and how, what a difficult guy to play against. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, t- intang- or, uh, tangibles coming out of his ears. I, I, I always feel sometimes that uh, coaches occasionally overvalue intangibles, if if that's possible. They'll they'll forgive some shortcomings in size, like Bryce Young, if they like if he shows leadership qualities and an ability uh, to read defenses. We're seeing that with Brock Purdy; he's not very big uh, necessarily either, but he wasn't the number one overall pick. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. When they drafted Bryce Young, I thought, well, good luck. He's not very big. I see injuries potentially coming. Yeah, and C.J. Stroud looks like a real player. Yeah. Um, you know, they chose Bryce Young over Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. and 
And right now, it looks like Bryce Young's on track to be at least at, at he's going to be the third out of those three. Yeah. Uh, pick six by Cousins. He hasn't thrown a lot of pick sixes. He's thrown his share of interceptions during the course of his career. But that was that a missed read? What went on on that? That was a terrible, terrible throw. Mm-hmm. Terrible thought, terrible throw. He said that uh, the way he described it, and he's good about breaking these things down for us. Mm-hmm. He said that basically uh, he made his first read. He didn't think Hawkinson was going to be open early, so he tried to sw- sling it out late, and he said he just – he said, I just can't do that. I got to make the safety commit. I didn't make, if I, I need to make the safety commit to Hawkinson, then I can throw the out, or I can make, make him commit to the out, and then I can throw to Hawkinson. He said, I, I did the, both, the worst of both worlds. I, I didn't make the safety commit, and then I threw the more difficult pass, and you just can't throw that pass in this situation. Yeah, fortunately able to recover very early in the game. Uh, Twins playoffs start tomorrow with Toronto. I was really thinking for weeks now it's going to be an American League West team, winds up being. Uh, the Blue Jays and, and Pablo Lopez at the top of the rotation. They don't have to set their playoff roster until the morning tomorrow. Is it going to be Buxton or Lewis or both or neither, do you think? They're having press conferences this afternoon uh, after we're recording this, and they don't have to actually make the final decision until Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I don't know what they're going to do. I will just go back to the conversations I had last week where uh, a twin source told me that they think Correa is going to be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. They think Royce Lewis is probably going to be limited at DH, and they don't see Buxton having a chance to play this early in the postseason. Even though he's kind of lobbying to be on the roster, isn't he? Well, I, I mean, it's good for him to want to play. It's yep. good for him to work toward playing. It's good for him to feel some anxiety about not playing, and it's good for the team to have him try to work back, because who knows? You know, I, I mean, sports are sports. They, mm-hmm. You know, they could... They could be thinking he's got no chance of playing, and then Thursday afternoon, Michael Taylor runs into a wall, making a game-winning catch. They win the first series. They're without a center fielder, and then, of course, you would want Buxton available to you the next round. So they want him to keep working toward it, but I I just don't think it's realistic right now. Yeah, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.